0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. And this morning, we're going to have another challenging message, so brace yourselves, just get ready uh, to see what Jesus says following Him is actually like what what following him actually looks like and so last week just a reminder if you were here if you weren't here this is what we talked about point number one in last week's message was this jesus jesus isn't an idea to fancy he is the lord to follow point number two was this everything is not about you and if you were here hopefully you did what i encouraged you to do i had an encouraging note the next day uh, someone texted me and said i I just want to show you what popped up on my phone They put a reminder in their phone and it popped up and it said, everything's not about you. (laughs) Just a reminder. Every day in our life, it's not all about us. Our lives are supposed to be lived for the Lord and for others. And then number three was this. Assumptions and excuses are grave spiritual missteps. And so many times people assume that they're going to make it to heaven. Sometimes people uh, also assume other things as far as God's going to be pleased with my life if I live like this or I do this. Uh, And and then on the other side, there are uh, excuses that people give why they're not following Jesus uh, the way he says that they're supposed to follow. So again, all these things, very important things that we see in Scripture. And again, as as we see uh, this week, the liberty that we have, that we're celebrating, I think we're going to see a little bit more of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ in that liberty. Um, I love the fact that the Bible is very clear about following Jesus There's nothing there's no confusion. There's no questions when you look to what jesus says following him is There's not any doubts. There's no there's nothing. There's no room for saying well, I wonder if he means this jesus is very clear uh, On his instructions and and this got me thinking about something Uh, I I don't I I don't know guys you could raise your hands We've talked about illustrations and instructions before but I know for me I have uh, purchased certain things and got it out got it out of the box got the instructions and one of the most painful things for me is when it comes with a bag of bolts and nuts and and all this kind of stuff because they got this list this this item list right you've got 15 of these bolts and you've got 15 you got to make sure they're all there and i love the packages that have uh, each individual one sectioned off these nuts go with these bolts and these washers and and these these things go with this i love that but I've bought things before that come with just a big bag of bolts and nuts and washers and gr- all kinds of things, you know, like, oh, man. And then the instructions they give you are horrible. I mean, they're horrible. <laughs> they they are so hard to follow. I, recently, I, I uh, got this, I don't know, a garden trailer or, a, um, you know, like a pull-behind, like, Garden trailer, you hook it up to a, either a mower or something like that. And I uh, opened up the instructions, opened up all the stuff, and it was so spotty, and it was so, it was like, it looked like someone Xerox copied the the instructions and just threw it in there. It was it was horrible. Uh, they were they were not easy to follow and very very frustrating. And and because of that, uh, and, and of course I had the goal, I had the picture outside of the box it's good I saw it in the store as well I kind of had a mental picture of what it was like so the goal was there the vision was there but how to get there the instructions were very frustrating and again I, I share that because that's the exact opposite of what our Lord has given us as far as instructions go in living the Christian life or what it looks like to live and follow Jesus Christ we're told up front what we're supposed to be doing as we follow Jesus Christ we're also told in Scripture if we miss one of those instructional steps, if we miss a step in following Jesus, it can really set us back. Uh, going back to the illustration, I've done that before. I've thought, okay, I got it in my mind, I'm just going to start putting it together, and then you get it all together, and you've got a couple washers left, and you've got a couple of rubber, you know, washers left, and you're thinking, oh, those, that's important. I know those are supposed to go somewhere, because if I don't put them on there, the, the wheels are probably going to wallow out something, it's just going to fall apart earlier than it's supposed to. And so you've got to go back to the instructions, figure out where this is supposed to go. Uh, And again, it can be very disenchanting, very frustrating. Uh, But I am, again, so excited, so encouraged that our Lord doesn't do that with us. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning, uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus in his words. And so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've already been able to experience uh, as far as the singing, the giving, celebrating what you've done for us the freedom we have lord we do thank you for that i pray we would never take it for granted i pray that uh, we would continually strive to uh, redeem the time because the days are evil Lord. that we would realize this freedom that we've been given is truly a gift from you to use for you and lord that we wouldn't waste it on things that are temporal that we wouldn't waste it only on ourselves god uh, but we would use our lives as vessels laid down for you and Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's lost, maybe they have religion. Maybe they, they, they assume that they're going to be okay when they stand before you. Maybe they've gone to church their whole life. Maybe they have uh, been, tried to be a good person. But Lord, they're, they're, they're still in darkness. They're still in sin. I pray this morning that it's very clear You're in your own words what it looks like to follow you, to have a relationship with you and not religion, to have a, a, a life that's been radically transformed and therefore, is following you. I pray that they would, they would give their life to you this morning. Lord, help us who have given our life to you to be, to be reminded of what it looks like to truly follow you. And we can't just say with our mouths that we can't just have it in our minds, God. There's, there's a life that we're to be living. And I, and I pray that you would challenge each of our hearts in that way. Lord, just move in this service. Have your way. Use me as a vessel. And just speak what needs to be spoken. I praise you for all this, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 14. And uh, if you don't happen to have your Bible, well, we should have it up on the screen. But we are going to pick up in verse 25. I love this section of Scripture. I love it. Uh, it is it is challenging, but it's also so encouraging for the Christian. In verse 25, it says this, and there went great multitudes with him. Him is Jesus. So there's a bunch of people going with Jesus, and he turned and said unto them, listen, okay, first of all, think about this. It, it, Jesus has been in the ministry now for a while, and, and, and there are people trying to shut him up. There's people trying to put you know, to silence him, to, uh, to, to keep, keep from preaching and doing those miracles on the Sabbath day and all the things that he's been doing to stir up the religion and, and, and tear down uh, what man has built up. But still, there are multitudes of people following after him, still intrigued by his message, still intrigued by his miracles. Multitudes of people. And so Jesus sees this crowd, and he stops as, as they're journeying, and he turns to them and says something. Now, in that moment, and I uh, maybe today's society or today's mindset, maybe today's uh, ecclesiology, the, 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 the church mindset, even of certain... Uh, pastors i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say it in quotes because i'm not god and i don't know if they're you know really gods or not but is this you have an opportunity here you have thousands of people following you here's your moment what are you going to say to all these thousands of people following you what are you going to say to them so that the result is what you want again in today's theology today's mindset not necessarily theology today's mindset in the church is this here's your moment don't scare them off don't don't upset them don't don't challenge them but say something that's going to encourage them say something that they hear that they say hey you know what we really feel good about this let's let's keep going back to jesus's church Let's, 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 here's his moment. Jesus has his moment. Here's the multitudes following him. Look what he says. He turns and said unto them, if any man come, come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he, look at that next word, can not he cannot be my disciple now again if we're thinking about here's this opportunity that Jesus has thousands of people following him I mean imagine the offering that could have been taken up from these multitudes of people I mean they could have been set Jesus' church could have been set on the right way I mean they could have set up everything they wanted to set up they could have done everything they they could have wanted to do They would have been said if Jesus would have taken the moment, the opportunity to say something that maybe pleased the crowd, that pleased the people versus what was really according to God's will. But he doesn't. He says the truth. He speaks the truth and says, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me and you don't hate your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, even your own life. Forget it. You can't be my disciple. What? What? In great multitudes. Remember what we talked about. Jesus wasn't an idea to fancy. And he's not an idea to fancy. Jesus wasn't interested then in people following him as a good idea. Well, what's what's my options as far as religions go? Well, Jesus sounds like a good idea. Let's choose that. No, no, no. Jesus wasn't interested in people following him as a good idea. He wasn't interested in people following him because it was cool or that's what the majority of other people in their nation were doing. Jesus wasn't interested in that at all. Great multitudes went with him, it says. Now, remember this. They weren't just showing up for a weekly service. They weren't just gathering in an air-conditioned building. And I'm not criticizing what we're doing, but that's not what they were doing. They were following Jesus as he was journeying to Jerusalem, remember. They were, they were following with him. And the chances that the weather might have been a little bit a, a, a factor. I mean, it wasn't necessarily always comfortable. They didn't have all the conveniences of their homes. They were following him on this journey. And Jesus takes the moment and says... You can't follow me unless you hate everyone, including yourself. Again, people looking from the outside said Jesus was building a nice church. He had a lot of members going there, a lot of good things going for that church. And I'm not criticizing larger churches right now, so don't, don't think I'm going there. But a lot of people might have been thinking he's got a good thing going. He's a very successful pastor, very up-and-coming, on-the-move church. I've said this before, Jesus wouldn't have been good at the modern growth, uh, church growth movements today. <laughs> because in this moment, he had, his, he had his moment. And this is what he says. many critics today probably would think jesus was a failure that he was foolish why would you turn around and say that to all those people those people aren't going to get that those people aren't going to want to keep following you they're not going to keep giving their money they're not going to keep doing that why why would you turn around and say that to that many people that was just foolish look again if any man come to me rich or poor Regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of any, any man, any person wants to come after me and hate not his father, mother, wife, and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Point number one is this, our love of Jesus must be unmatched, unmatched. Now, as Jesus was saying this to this crowd, this multitude, uh, they knew what he was saying But in in our translation, we look at it and we say, well, something seems wrong here. Something seems contradictory because if God is love and the Bible says that we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself, then then why is Jesus telling everybody that they got to hate everybody, including themselves, to follow him, to be his disciple? I mean, this doesn't make sense. Again, the people in Jesus' day knew exactly what he was saying. So it can't, it can't mean, it can't be contradictory because God doesn't contradict himself. He cannot lie. And so we have to understand, as a true follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying something vital. He's saying something very important. What was he saying? The word hate in the Greek is meseo. Meseo simply means this. First of all, to detest, which is what most of us understand hate as. But the, more, uh, the, the further meaning, meaning, in a better context, means this. To love less. To love less. So this statement to this large, this large crowd that was physically following Jesus was a challenge to them to examine their, spiritual, their sincere spiritual resolve in following him. So he turns around and says to them... If you want to come after me and you don't love me more than your mother, and you don't love me more than your father, and you don't love me more than your spouse, and you don't love me more than your children, and you don't love me more than your brothers or sisters, and you don't love me more than you even you care for your own life, if you don't love me more than anyone, including yourself, you can't be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. Again, there's no black area, and, and, and I mean, there's no gray area. It's only black and white. Jesus was saying, it's, it's, it's very clear cut. If you want to be my disciple, you can't love anyone more than me. Anyone, including yourself. So I believe we have to understand this. Many people are physically following Jesus, even still today. But few are truly spiritually following him. So what does that mean? It means this. That a person can follow, physically follow Jesus without spiritually following him. And what I mean by that is being saved, without being born again. Someone can physically follow Jesus, as the multitudes were without spiritually following him, without having surrendered, without having given everything up to follow him spiritually. And I think there are multitudes of people today that are physically following Jesus. And it breaks my heart to think there may be some in this room that are physically following Jesus. And so what does that mean? That means you're as this crowd was. You're showing up. Maybe you have the, the right things. You have a Bible, you go to church, you go through the motions, but you're not spiritually following him. But the second part of that, uh, of that is this one can't spiritually follow Jesus without physically following him. See, Jesus went to the disciples, the, the first disciples, the 12 that he chose, and he told them, each one of them, come and follow me. He didn't say, hey, is your heart with me? That's all that really matters. Because that's what a lot of people say today. Well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. But he also sees your life. Amen. He, sees, he sees our heart. And that's what God is looking at. And he tries the heart. He tries the reins. And that's the intent of what we do comes from our heart. And that's what is the source. That's what God is interested in. But you can't say that, I, I, that I'm following Jesus in my heart, but never physically follow him. That's impossible. A lot of people say that. A lot of people say, well, I, I don't need to do that because... I, I mean, I've got, a, I got my own relationship with God my way. No, you don't. You can have a relationship with God his way, and that's it. That's it. And so many people today try to redefine what Jesus said is, is, is having a relationship with him. And he very clearly is saying, you can't have a relationship with me. You can't be my disciple. You can't follow after me. Unless you love me more than everyone, including yourself, you can't do it. In this day, this was so this was earth-shattering for these people to hear that. And the reason why it was so earth-shattering for these people to hear it is because the culture in that day was so family-centered and so family-driven... Every, it, it was so tight-knit, the family unit was. And so when Jesus turns around and, and, and says to these husbands and wives and family units and these kids that were with them, and he, and he talks to these people, this multitude of people that was family-centered, culturally, it was all about their family. And he tells them, you can't follow me unless you, unless you hate all these people. <laughs> Again, not, he wasn't saying hate, he was saying, unless you love everyone around you, look, look, next to your, look at your wife there. Now, wife, look at your husband. Look at those kids around you. Hey, your, your, your brothers and sisters around you too. You, y'all are all tight. You're all close. It's all about family. Let me tell you this. You can't follow me if you don't love me more than all of them. And so this was a, a, a shaking to this group of people. Unfortunately, we live in a different culture. Many, many, many broken families. Many, many, many single parents, many, many, many busy families, active families. Money, activities, entertainment dominate our culture. They dominate our culture. The family unit today and the importance of it is quite less than what it was then. But there is some similar situations they're unique, but they're still similar things. There's some instances today in our culture that people's lives revolve around their family, and it does happen. Being, getting together, oh, we, we can't do that. We can't go to church because we're, we're getting together with our family, or we can't go and serve like this because we're, we're, we're doing this. Kids' activities, etc. So it's still possible to get a little bit of the impact of what Jesus was teaching here. And we have to try. But I think that we can get it. Here's what he was saying. When you look at your parent. When you look at your spouse. When you look at your child or your children. When you look at your sibling. When you look at your family. And when you look at yourself in the mirror. Your love for them is to be very clearly less than your love for me. And he says this clearly in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He says this, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's easy to say those things. It's easy to say, yes, I love Jesus more than I love my kids. It's easy to say, yes, I love Jesus more than, than I love my spouse. It's easy to say, yes, I love Jesus more than I love my own life. It's easy to say those things. But the truth is that love is translated in our lives by one word, and it's this action. That's how love is translated. Again, try to to say that in a marriage and see if it lasts. Well, they know my heart, and they know I love them. It doesn't work like that. Love is an action word. It, 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 It displays, it's illustrated through our actions. Why do we do the certain things that we do? We say it with our mouth sometimes. You know I do this because I love you. Love is an action word. you can say that you love someone all day long and it's good but what you do that expresses that love is what brings validity it's what brings sincerity and weight to the words I love you because again if your words are saying I love you more and they don't match up with what you do or who you put first or whose agenda comes first then we really can't say that it's true We're celebrating our nation's freedom this week. If we had a leader of this nation that said they loved America more than any other nation, they said it. Yet the decisions they made and continue to make make, seem to bless other nations more than it did America. And even at times contradict the best interest of America... Could we really believe that they loved America more than any other nation? And even further, could we really believe that they loved America at all? If that's what they were doing, if the leader of our nation was making decisions that benefited other countries more than it did America, and they said, oh no, I love America. I love America the most. America's amazing. If they did that, then we all would be sitting on our, at our television screens when they gave a, a, a an address to the nation, and we'd be saying, "They don't love America." Why would we say that? Because even though he's saying it with his mouth, the decisions he was making didn't support that. See, Jesus again is an idea. To, he's not an idea to fancy. He's the Lord to follow the God, the only God. And to have a relationship with Him the way that He designed, it means there can be no other gods before Him and no other gods beside Him. Not our kids, not our kids' activities. Not our jobs, not our money. Not our entertainment or our hobbies. And we could spend all day long at this point, but the truth is this. Our love of Jesus is to be unmatched and so i want to challenge you this morning if you say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ but you can do a sincere audit of your heart and your life and you know that there are times that you put your job there are times that you put your, 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 your family your kids, your spouse, whatever you, you, and, and I'm not saying just like it occasionally happens but you find yourself that you're always thinking well what about my family or what about myself Or what about my money? Or what about my job? And those are the things that are governing your decisions as you live in this world. Then I want to challenge you. Maybe you're truly not following Jesus Christ spiritually. You may be doing it physically. You may be coming to church services. You may be holding your Bible. You may be claiming to be a Christian. All those things. But if you aren't following Jesus as Lord of your life, if you don't love Him with an unmatched love, then you've got to examine your heart whether you truly are spiritually following Jesus and what's the big deal about that the big deal about that is the difference between eternity in hell and eternity in heaven that's the big deal Jesus is going to tell false teachers on on the day of judgment he says in Matthew chapter 7 and again if he's telling false teachers this we know that just the regular old Joe who is physically following Jesus, who is showing up at church, living their own life, doing what they want to do for the majority of their life. If he's telling false teachers this, then he's gonna say that to those people as well. What are those words that, that he's saying to those false teachers? He says, This, many will say in me that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? We we preached your name. And in your name, We've done many wonderful works. And he said, and I will profess unto them, depart from me. I never knew you. How is that possible? Well, false teachers, absolutely. But it's people who are thinking they can just follow Jesus their way. People that are thinking that they can physically follow Jesus if I just do all the Christian things. If I say all the Christian things... But my life looks like I put me, my job, my stuff, my kids, my, my, all that stuff can, can trump God's stuff at any point in time. Then we've got to really examine if we do have that kind of love that's unmatched. That's, that's what God is looking for. Because you remember what he did? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son we don't quite understand holiness and righteousness in in its purest form I believe We, we will one day when we see him face to face and I believe we'll fall face flat holiness righteousness but for God to in his perfect righteousness to love us even while we were sinners to die for us it's an amazing love and he wants our love for him to be unmatched. To say, I love you more than my job. I love you more than my money. I love you more than my kids. I love you more than my spouse. I love you more than my friends. I love you more than my family. I love you more than anything in this life. And I'm not just saying it with my mouth, but God, you can see it with my life. No one or nothing ever comes before you. Not, it doesn't come before you or anything that you're about. You know why Jesus said that to that crowd? It's the same reason, not with the same love, I promise you, because he's got a love that I, I can't fathom right now. But the reason why he turned and said that to that crowd is because he did love them. He loved them enough to say, look, you, you're, not, you're not going anywhere if you're just following me physically. If you want to go where I'm going, you've got to love me with everything you have, with an unmatched love. And that's the reason why I'm preaching this today, and that's the reason why this message is so important. Because I don't want I, I to be standing before God one day and, and see one person that came to this church be told, depart from me. I never knew you. That would break my heart. I don't even know how that's going to pan out. I don't even know how that's going to be. But I'm so, I'm so worried that there are multitudes of churchgoers today that are going to spend eternity in hell. Because they... They didn't love Jesus more. They, they, didn't, they didn't surrender their all to him. We can spend all day on this, but I want to continue and finish it. Look what Jesus said, and he continues with in verse 27. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, this doesn't sound like a lot of fun. You've got to love me more than anyone in your life, including yourself, and you've got to take up a cross. You've got to take up a burden and follow after me look what he says, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first, and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he had laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able to uh, be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an ambassage an and desireth conditions of peace. Look what he says in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus was telling them, you've got to count the cost that, that, that you're, you're looking to do something. You're looking to follow me, but I'm challenging, challenging you to count the cost. Because you can't follow after him if you don't love me more than everyone, including yourself. And not only that, when you're following me, it's going to mean something. It's going to mean your entire life given over. And he gives them that illustration. He, let, me, let me give you an example. If you're going to build a building, you don't sit down. Uh, you don't just say, you know what, let's build a building. And, and go out and just start spending money and, and, and doing those things. And then get the foundation laid and realize, oh, I guess I should have figured out if I had enough money to build that building now I just have the foundation built and that's it. And people begin to say, well that guy's a fool. <laughs> he, he, he started to build this tower without counting the cost, what it was going to cost him. And it says the same way, if you're, if you're a king and you're going to war against another king and you see that 20,000 man army and you know you got 10,000 man army and you think, okay, if I don't figure out how we're going to take that 20,000 down, if I don't have a plan, um, then we're going to go and commit suicide. We're just going to run right in there and get destroyed. And so my option is we're going to figure out the battle plan so we can beat them, or we're going to send, we're gonna send uh, uh, somebody out there with a white flag and, and, and let's, let's make this thing work. Let's, let's have a treaty. You don't do that. And he says, so likewise, you gotta, the, the cost that it, it, it is for you to follow me is everything. Is everything. It's gonna cost you everything to follow me. Point number two is this our loyalty to Jesus must be unmatched. Our love of Jesus has to be unmatched and our loyalty to him. We stood there and we put our hand over our heart and we, we sang a song uh, that represents the freedom and the blessings that God's given us, the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem. And we all stood there in, at attention. We all stood there in, in allegiance to an, a nation. We were, we, were, we were all in agreement that we are loyal to this nation. And what Jesus is saying here is our loyalty to him has to be unmatched it has to go above our nation it has to go above our family it has to go above everything our loyalty, loyalty to him must be unmatched whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple you know it's been said that the, in the roman empire in the days that, that jesus was uh, walking this earth and of course when he was crucified that they had the criminals carry their cross through the city as a means of showing that the roman government was right and as this, 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 this criminal would carry his cross through there, it was not necessarily an admission of guilt, but it was a showing that he was giving that acknowledgement that the Roman government was right in crucifying him, whether he, thought, whether he admitted to guilt or not. But it was the cross that he was called to bear through the city. So when Jesus says this, when he says this to this crowd, you've got to carry a cross and follow me. Just as a Roman criminal would show that public display of acknowledgement, Jesus was saying, you know what? This is how you have to follow me, even to your own death, as a criminal would. You have to follow me, even to your own death. And see, here's the difference. That's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day refused to do. And that's why, as I've preached recently, that's what is so scary about today's church scene is there are so many people that are religious. They're following Jesus physically. They they, they have this religion about them, but they don't have a relationship. They're, 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 They're not following him even to their own death. They haven't laid down everything to follow him. See, when we follow Jesus the way that true disciples follow him, with unmatched loyalty... We say this, I'm not going my way but the path that I'm following is the one that leads to life and I'm taking it with my life sacrifice for Christ. And this standard of discipleship of following Jesus Christ doesn't match the profession of so many people today. That's why it's a a major concern for me. That I believe there's a multitude of people that fill church houses Sunday mornings. And they do that for years. They go year after year, they're filling church houses. They're gonna fill the lake of fire for all of eternity. And it breaks my heart. And again, I wanna say this, this is not based off of some self-righteous position I, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, that I do everything right. It's not even saying that, that that's, this is what following Jesus is about. But this is going off of what Jesus taught. And I don't want to meddle, but I, I want to I, I bring it down. He, he was talking in, in their language, and he was giving them illustrations that they understood. And so I want to bring it to our day and our time. Please listen. When a sports team can trump the body of Christ gathering together to worship their God together, something is contradictory. It's either Jesus' teachings that are wrong here, or it's the people who profess Him, yet don't follow Him with a loyalty that's demanded of a true disciple. See, loyalty, Jesus said, and loyalty, period, requires sacrifice think about our nation's birth the struggle for independence that we had hundreds of years ago no doubt loyalty to America and as they were referring to it at the time loyalty to the cause was essential and because of that loyalty many people did lay down their lives for freedom's cause you and I are enjoying it today It happened again in World War II. The cause, John Hancock said, is certainly the most glorious one. And I hope every man in the colony of Maryland is determined to see it gloriously ended, and listen to what he says, or to perish in the ruins of it. What was he talking about? He was talking about the willingness to give all. He was talking about a lo- the loyalty to the cause of freedom. And specifically talking about in the colony of uh, Maryland there. He says, listen, this is, this is what we all need. Every man being willing to lay down their life for the cause. We have to understand that loyalty can't be separated from commitment and devotion. Loyalty can't be separated from obedience. It can't be separated from faithfulness. And loyalty can't be separated from dependability the definition of loyal is this giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance did you hear those words giving or showing firm and constant support constant support or allegiance to a person or institution you know what the antonym for for uh, loyal is the opposite word of, of loyal you know what it is treacherous Jesus' words whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple we have to evaluate this morning is my loyalty to Jesus unmatched maybe this is meddling some but again it's it's our day and time so let's just go there are you more loyal to the cowboys are you more loyal to your college team are you more loyal to the rangers are you more loyal to a sport to an activity to an event it's going on sunday night but jesus our lord our savior is being worshiped in the assembly of his saints what's more important where's your loyalty not only sacrifice but loyalty requires service and the last point this morning is found in verses 34 and 35 salt is good but if the salts lost its savor wherewith shall it be seasoned it's neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill but men cast it out he that hath ears to hear let him hear listen the reason why this is so challenging the reason why these things are so important for us to hear today in today's society because listen the souls of men hang in the balance if the church of jesus christ isn't absolutely loyal to him, then guess, guess what? It means that there are people that are going to spend eternity burning in a lake of fire. And So I, I don't think it's that dramatic. That's being, that's being a little overboard. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you got to sit down and count the cost because I demand as God your all, your everything. You can't hold one thing back. You can't reserve one thing for yourself. You, when you give your life to me, you are bought with a price and you are no longer your own. See, we, I, I promise you this. Every single one of us sitting and standing in this place, we demand it without ever being able to say it to them. We demand that type of loyalty for every single one of our men and women in uniform. Don't we? Because what happens whenever there's word uh, 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 of treason Come back from one of our soldiers. What do we do? Oh, no. They they need to be tried. They need to be uh, uh, executed. That's the lives of other men and women in uniform. And that's our freedom. That's our liberty that they're jeopardizing by not being absolutely loyal to our nation and to our military. We demand it. We, we would not be, ex- we would not accept the fact, if, if we took a poll in here and we said, how many people would be okay with just a couple thousand of our troops being not loyal, being treacherous? How, how many people in here would be, how many people would be okay with just a couple thousand of our men and women in uniform that were treacherous, that They couldn't be trusted that when they went over to the enemy's territory, they may be giving them information about you and I and how we live our lives and how easily to permeate and destroy our lives. How many of us would be okay with that? Nobody would. Nobody would say, well, it's okay if they're just mostly loyal. I mean, if the circumstances were, you know, put in that, I would understand why they would not be loyal. None of us would do that. Because that means our safety and our security, our nation's freedom, all those things being jeopardized. We take that absolutely seriously. Yet God of all creation can send his only son to die on this earth for sins he never committed to give us eternal life that we never deserved. And yet we can just disregard the loyalty to him at our whim. We can just say, well, it's not that important that I do that today. It's not that important that I'm there this 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 service it's not that important that i tell that person it's not that we we can just say "I, i don't need to be absolutely loyal to jesus all the time we can we can disregard that type of loyalty why that's eternal matters and that's why i'm concerned about the state of people's souls today it's unmatched loyalty, and, 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 and loyalty it demands sacrifice, but it demands service. And point number three as we close is this. Our lacking for Jesus must be unmatched. Lacking, which is another word for serving. See, salt's purpose is to affect. When Jesus said salt has a purpose, it's a seasoning. Some people don't like salt. Uh, on their food, uh, but it enhances the flavor. It, it, it brings it out uh, And, and it, it has a purpose it does something when you put salt on something and salt is using and salt is good It does something to it. Not only that's a preserving agent salt does things it, it has a purpose it has An effect and so when Jesus was saying this he's saying this He said if salt loses its potency if salt no longer has those those chemical properties That affects something else. It's useless. If salt doesn't do what salt is supposed to do. Then it's useless. Get rid of it. It's not even fit for for fertilizer. Don't even use it for fertilizer. If salt isn't doing what salt is supposed to do. Then it's useless. It's intended, intended to work. So again if our love and our loyalty to Jesus. Are to be above all. Because of our faith in him then the actions, the life we live will be the service that brings him glory. I've used this verse many times, John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus says this, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So shall you prove that you're my disciples when you live your life and you produce fruit. A few verses later in that same chapter, he says this, You're my friends. Listen to what he says. If you do, whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, from the, uh, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I've called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you, listen to this, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that what shall you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What is our fruit? The Bible is very clear on this. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. And Christians also produce fruit in the way of good works. The things that we do, the things that we obey God's word in that bring Him glory. So musicians make their way. I want to say this. When our love and our loyalty to Jesus is questioned, when other things, whether they're Sports, or jobs, and I mean, let me say that with this. I understand that sometimes people's jobs take them out of town. I understand sometimes people's jobs demand for them to work uh, when, you know, when the church is gathering. I understand all that. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the matter of the heart. I would rather work and make money than do this. That's, the top, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, I, I, I wish I could be there. I wish I could do that for the Lord. Uh, but my job is requiring me to do this. That, that's a completely different story. But when other things or people have made their way into our lives, and there's, a, there's a, a competition between the reality of who or what we love more and are loyal to, it makes us as ineffective salt. What does that mean? That means that you and I, as, as, as Christians, if there's, a, if there's a battle between our loyalty to the kingdom of God, to the king, and anything else, if there's a, then we have now become ineffective because our loyalty produces sacrifice and service. And when we're loyal to, loyal to the king, his work, his kingdom comes first above everything. And the work that comes from that is what produces fruit to glorify the Father. I want to challenge you this morning. There's a testimony and a witness that we have for the Lord. If you're a child of God, and what is it saying to the lost world? That you can follow Jesus how you want to, that you can follow Jesus at your convenience. That you can can be a Christian and still do what you want to do? What is our witness and testimony saying to the world? That that the gathering of the saints isn't important? That there are other things in this world that are more important? That telling people about Jesus isn't as important as this or that? Because if that's what we're if that's how we're living our lives, that's what we're saying to the lost world. And you know what we're doing? We're robbing them of a true witness. We're robbing them of seeing what it actually looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe they continue on in their darkness. And I believe they continue on being blinded by the God of this world. It's not until the the world, the lost world begins to see an absolute difference. And the people who are following Jesus Christ and the people who aren't, that things will change. And so we stand back and we say, God bless America. And we want him to continue to give us stuff. And we want him to continue to give us comfort. And we want him to continue to just let us live our lives how we want him to live. And it's brought us to a place where the things of God don't mean the most to us anymore. The things of God, the God who died in our place, don't mean the most to us in our life. And I believe it's with a broken heart that He looks from above and He sees His people or people who claim to be His people, not given that love and loyalty. Jesus finished that by saying, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We've got to have spiritual ears to be able to hear this message today. Our love, our loyalty, and our service. Have to be unmatched and un- unquestioned. So the question for you and me is this: Is it? Is your love for the Lord? Is your loyalty to Him? And is your lacking your service for Him? Are all those things unmatched by your family, by your job, by your hobbies? Is it unmatched? Because if it's not, that's not the relationship Jesus just told us. That's not discipleship and and maybe you say no i know i gave my life to him and there was a time in my life that i was doing that so maybe you're backslidden maybe you've fallen back maybe maybe you've allowed something to come in the way maybe your kids have come along and, and, and that their their things are more important or maybe your, your parents their, their things are more important or maybe your job your stuff maybe there's been some things come in your life along the way and you've allowed it to to take your loyalty away from the lord the way it should be maybe, maybe that stuff has happened but that's not the way to continue so maybe today you say, God, forgive me. I want, I want to change. I gave you my life. I gave you my all at one point in my life. And, and I, want to get, I want to get back to that place. I want to give you everything. Every day of my life, completely loyal. Every day of my life, my love unmatched. Every day of my life, my service for you unmatched. And you can do that. But it's just got to matter. And so I want to challenge you as I've been challenged. I don't want anything to come close to my love, loyalty, or my service the god who died in my place to give me life and i pray that you don't either and if you have never given your life to him and you maybe you've never come that way maybe you've just thought i've been a good person i go to church i mean i, I believe all those things but i i don't live for jesus above all I, I i've never i've never given him my life like that if that's not you then please come today let let someone show you out of god's word even more than what we covered today and show you how you can have eternal life because eternity is too long and hell is too hot to chance it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, just move our hearts. Or may maybe a, a difficult or challenging message, but I pray that's also encouraging. We know there's nothing we can do to be saved. We can't work for our salvation. You did everything for us. But God, when we are saved. Following you is a very clear description found in Scripture. And I pray that we would, our lives would look like that. I pray you just move now in this invitation. I will praise you for it. In Jesus' name.